Well, hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk, episode uh, 758, recorded today on Wednesday the 31st of May, uh, end of official springtime, on our way to summer, not quite there yet, uh, it's a freezing cold day here, uh, well I say relatively freezing, it was pretty chilly on the way into work today, but I suppose that doesn't matter, this is a podcast not to do with weather, as I've often started the show like this, it's just a bit of propensity to talk about weather, uh, it's about to do with music technology and also such things associated with it that's uh, production uh, music production music software synthesizers drum machines hardware streaming all kinds of stuff live performance all the technology that surrounds it and once again we welcome all of you folks over on the chats we're streaming via youtube and irc you can join us and i want to say thanks very much to wagyu He's the mastermind, or certainly the uh, the mastermind, keeping it going anyway behind. Because as we know, Dom set this up initially. This sort of aggregates all of the chat into one place and cross posts it, so you can all see what each other's saying. Uh, but Wagyu is an admin uh, for that and really helps us keep it clean. Uh, much appreciated, as he does for a lot of people. So thanks, Wagyu. Uh, always appreciated. Uh, before I get into the uh, stuff, I want to say what's coming up on Sonic Sonic Talk, um, Sonic State, even Sonic State. We got coming up. Uh, I've just finished the Kodoma Mask, uh, Kodamo, Kodamo Mask 1 review, which is a Bitmask synthesizer. That should be coming up sometime in the short future. Um, don't forget to check out Maths, uh, Maya, MD900, DSP, VA. Uh, that's a really interesting review as well. It's a whopper, 47 minutes. And, of course, there will be some extras. Certainly for the Kodamo Mask, there's quite a lot of extra content that's going on on Patreon, which I can actually now plug because that's what I do. Why not consider joining us on Patreon for the price of a cup of coffee, a cheap one at that, a month you get access to all our stuff ad-free if it's been posted monetized to YouTube. You also get the Sonic Talk pre-show and a few other perks besides. But if you go up to the upper level, which is still literally just a couple of cups of coffee, you'll get extra content. Uh, there's samples, there's exclusive videos. In fact, we're going to be posting some stuff of the Kodamo mask. There's some extra stuff there. There's also behind-the-scenes footage uh, early access, all kinds of stuff. And if you're quick and you get it done before the end of the show, your name will appear in the end credits and stay there for as long as you're subscribing. Once again, we thank all of our Patreon supporters and we welcome your board if you're considering. Back to the show. Yes, indeed, that's very meta. So I pre-recorded it and I updated it after last week so I don't sound quite so tired and with a cold. Anyway, it's let's really get good. on with... Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, that's well. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll, join, we'll get our guests. Here's one. There's Mark, oh. Mr. Mark Tinley, who's there uh, in uh, Glastonbury, uh, Delectra.com. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. I don't know. If you're not doing shop stuff at the moment, are you? What's your current uh, What's your current project? Are you musicy? What's My your, current project is that I've decided I'm a singer and I've called myself Johnny Hurricane. So on my okay. Delectra.com website, I've been working on the same song. So. And traditionally, how I've always worked on songs, I've worked on songs, they take me three hours, I mix it in an hour, and I just post them and put them on AWOL, artists without a label, they end up on iTunes, or I put them on, um, what's it called? Oh, I can't Bandcamp. remember that. Bandcamp. Yes, that's it. This one I started last October, and I, I thought if I just write one song properly, it will be okay. And I've got to the point where I've just kind of, gone it'll have to do which is which is usually after about four hours but this is like seven months later so ah. um, so that's what i've been doing 
And then shop, no, not doing that at the moment, but I still have a music shop. It's just in storage. And uh, when I get a new venue, I'll think I'm going to reopen it because I think it's kind of fun and time to do that again. Now I've, stopped well, writing, yeah. now I've stopped writing that one song. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. I mean, in, in the ideal world, what will happen is you'll be able to, uh, with the funds and the proceeds from your massive seven month uh, in, in, the, in the working song, the proceeds that that will make will be able to fund your lifestyle, your lavish lifestyle to the, uh, you know, to the degree that you, uh, that you wish. Obviously, I realise in the real world that's unlikely <laughs> to happen unless you're extremely lucky. But you know, we can live. I, hope, I, d- that's what- I had a little, I had a little spot of luck, and that is that I'd forgotten to uh, do anything with the AWOL thing because um, of Gina being ill, and I went to put it on there last night to post it up to YouTube, and they've changed their account and moved it all to like a new server or something, and then I thought hang on, they haven't paid me for ages and ages and ages. And then I worked out I'd got like six months money kind of outstanding. And I managed to log into it this morning and I've got 300 pounds. Which is like, I mean, I'm I'm over the moon at the moment because that's kind of useful at the moment. um, Excellent. Yeah, a little little windfall. So all I need to do is multiply that by about 100,000 and I should be all right. Well, uh, good, good luck with that. Yeah, I, I mean, mm-hmm. as as we all do. Uh, but thanks very much for joining us. We've also got uh, Mr. Yoad Nevo there, who is in a slightly sonically challenged but uh, delightfully holiday-style accommodation uh, somewhere in uh, the southern Europe. How are you, Yoad? Very well, thank you. Good to be back. Excellent. Excellent. Gosh, it is roomy there, isn't it? You, Me I mean, and my, to- myself and my reflections. Excellent. Yeah, you uh, you could model a reverb on it, although it would be quite a challenging. Oh wow! That's okay, really and there's reflective. Some, there's some auto gain and stuff going on um, in the mic and the things, but yeah, yeah, there's the so, next uh, noise reduction thing on the mic. Otherwise, it would be very noisy as well. So, what are you what are you up to there? Are you on holiday or are you sort of working away from home as you so often do? Um, yeah, I, I work away from home. Um, I have a little setup here, so I can I can do stuff, and uh, it's great. It's great. You know, most most of the things I do, I do remotely, but in the studio. But there are certain there are certain things that I can do on headphones. A lot of editing, and not necessarily sound related, but. Uh, development of products things like that that there's you know a lot of stuff other than uh, just pure sound for which i would need to be in my studio uh, so i can take a few days here and there to do those uh, for instance now i've recorded just before i left i recorded um, some more instruments for my uh, guitar expansion for nexus uh, I recorded a banjo, a mandol, which is mandolin is basically a small mandol. I have the the, the, the actual mandol, mandol, which is a really really interesting sounding instrument. It's very deep, um, an Irish bouzouki, uh, and a Turkish saz. So I recorded those last week, and uh, and I have plenty of edits to do, which I can do happily here. 
oh, right. okay. and meetings and you know other stuff. So yeah, I'm very lucky to to being able to to take my work with me or to take with me and you know whatever. I however yeah, you want to say I feel that it's a great time to be you know to I wouldn't say as far as to be alive because uh, that's arguable but um, <laughs> the line of work that we do rather yes. than having to to print mixes and to print backing tracks and to sit by the multi-track and not to mention kind of writing uh, mixes in real time and, and cutting tapes and all that now so much can be done from wherever you are and um, it's amazing it's, it's yeah. still I'm still amazed by by that every every day. I, I'm finding yeah, I'm finding that more and more. I'm my my now anything that I do has to be any any purchases I make of equipment have to be sort of things that can be accessed remotely for that very reason. Uh, there's uh, John Van Eaton. Uh, nice to hear. But Yard is living in your snare room, in his snare room. It says there, which is a snare would sound pretty uh, pretty pretty full. So I don't know what happened there. I think maybe there was something was dropped on the floor. It sounded like a snare, but. Uh, Anyway, well, like that. Just came off the wall. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Well, this is, sounds like it's going to be. So, but after after saying how wonderful it is to be working remotely and then uh, juggling with various issues surrounding road juggling remotely. <laughs> but there you go. And actually, a top tip: if you do work remotely and you don't want to take a laptop with you, you can buy these really nifty uh, little uh, mic that they're just essentially like laptop displays that you can plug into a Thunderbolt. They're powered by Thunderbolt and they pass it on. They're about 150 quid and you could get, they're usually 15 inch ones and they're about the same size as a laptop and that will give you a second screen really easily with a very small setup. Well worth looking at. I use that at home actually and I use it when, when I've got room to take it abroad. They're really useful. You get a double monitor and uh, you can change the orientation. Really, really useful actually. I, I would heartily recommend Or you can use an iPad for that. Ah, oh, that's true. Yes, you can do that too. That that also works. And uh, that obviously one of the benefits of using an iPad is you get really, really good uh, colour representation because a lot of people don't realise it, but iPads are probably the most accurate colour um, representation that's really you're likely to have in your house, um, which for video is very useful. Uh, but yes, it is interesting. There you go. Quite interesting Sit fact. So sitting in front of me, I've got a big screen that can have two computers plugged into it. On, I can't show it to you because the cable on the camera is not long enough. But on that side, this is an M1 Mac. And on that side is an i7 Mac. They're both set to exactly the same color tolerance or whatever it's called, the profile. So theoretically, when the color comes up on the screen, that one and that one should look identical. And they couldn't be more different. It drives me absolutely nuts. So if I put a photograph on this side and a photo on this side, they look just and even in uh, photos app, they look totally different. It's, so that must be the way the sound, uh, the video cards interacting with the uh, monitor, and they're connected be, using yeah, the same be. method as well. You, so it's just you can get you you can. I mean, this is getting a little off topic, but you can get little. Um, uh, calibrators that will create a color profile for your monitor. You put it on and it, it change, you know, and it, it will help. But uh, they're quite expensive. And to be honest, it's probably not yeah. as yeah. 
But anyway, I'm beside the point. Let's get on to some topics, shall we? Um, let's see. Um, well, the first one is, I suppose, <coughs> in a way, it's it it it's at it's also a kind of remote working because it's the new SSL UF1. So let's. Uh... <laughs> I mean, on the face of it, not that different to a lot of other ones, uh, but it actually does have uh, double screens, and one of the, the top screen there can display a number of different things, including SSL metering, which is actually quite handy. Uh, there you've got the meter, it'll do uh, VU, it'll do PPM, and it'll do, uh, what's the other thing it does? Uh, frequency analysis, or frequency bands. And also, show some plugins and I thought that was possibly the most interesting part of it it's still quite pricey I think it's about um, 699 US 629 so it's at the higher end I suppose I can't remember is it um, I, I can't remember where was it Yukon did uh, did SSL buy Yukon or did Avid buy Yukon you probably know this Avid uh, yeah. ah okay so it's not related to that it's a separate thing no. it's an interesting yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I've come through a number of these things and I always buy them thinking, yes, it will be really useful. And I always end up only using them a little bit because, you know, I'm not, it doesn't quite work with the way that, but, but I'm, to be fair, I'm not really working in the DAW all that much. I'm sort of using it for video and writing automation. I find them very useful for that. But single fader, single fader um, automation systems uh, on the face of it, should be very useful. I mean, I know that the um, mm. the Softube one, the channel and the uh, control panel, they're very well thought of. So there is a way to get it right. Mm. I don't know if you've experienced any of this because SSL makes some larger format ones, which are also very uh, nicely thought of as well. I don't know if you've... Uh, you've. I mean, you're very much in the box, but you've got the big surface that I suppose you don't need to use that much. I don't know whether you use a control surface or not. My, my dream setup used to be uh, replacing all the faders on my Neve, which I have 60 of, with um, buckets of eight uh, Tascam. Do you remember the Tascam 24 or something? Uh, sorry, not, not eight, but 24 yeah. rather, which will fit physically if you take them out and leave just the pcb with the faders on they could fit inside the bucket of 12 channels uh, wow. of, of the need so to do that and then to bypass the audio so the bypass the, the audio will not go through the fader which is not something i need because if i do summing mixes and stuff i want the fader to be at unity game anyway um, and, and then to have this to control logic or protos or whatever. Uh, I never got to do that, but it's still something uh, I would like to do. In the meantime, I use the Personus um, single fader thing, um, and it works really well. Um, I use it on my sound grid setup to, to control the, the Dolby Atmos, so it controls 12 uh, channels, and I use it as the main volume, but at the same time, if I want to use it to write, to do some uh, automation writes and stuff, I can do that as well. Um, yeah, one fader, one fader usually does does the, the job. Before I had that, I used to have um, um, base station one as a controller in the desk and I super glued a, a fader cap on the modulation wheel. 
So it looks <laughs> like one of these old kind of, yeah. you know, uh, desks. <laughs> and then once you have the fader, it feels much more serious and you can do your rides with that as well. That works great too. Um, and since you have the little dent, you know, on the modulation wheel, you just super glue it in two very small. So there's the point, point of contact is, is tiny. So you can always take it out and file it a bit and it will be, you won't damage the, the thing. So, um, that's a great idea. Yeah, but this SSL, um, product looks nice. I mean, it, it, it it's something that I would use if I could have it embedded in the desk. You know, I wouldn't want to have it kind of there as another device. If it's part of your control surface, then it makes sense, I think. Otherwise, usually I'm happy with the mouse and I have two extra monitors with metering, LUFS and other, you know, stuff. So, um, I don't know. I think that if it was a sound card as well, like if it had two high quality inputs and two outputs, it would make more sense to, you know, to, yeah. to invest in something like that. Otherwise, it's a virtual thing that really is, you know, it's a display which doesn't do anything. It just shows you and it's a controller, which again, no sound is going through it. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, you know, maybe it's a part of a series or something because I think it would make sense to to have a sound card on it. Uh, yeah, well, they, they do. They do a, an affordable two i two, don't they? Two or two in two out sound card. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a good thought. I like the idea of the uh, fader, the, the the fader top on a mod wheel. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think to be honest, most of the things that cause prop that mean you don't use them is the implementation of the automation system within the DAW and being able to flip in and out very very quickly and drop in and overdub. It just feels like it's sort of there's this sort of standardised. It's read write touch and trim, and I've never kind of quite got my head around making it work in the way that I want, I suppose. I know, Mark, I, I know, I think we've had this discussion with you before, Mark, and you're more of just mouse and fake mouse and, and computer guy, aren't you? You're not really a controller. I've got an, I've got an Ableton push, but uh, I okay. don't really, I don't really use the, the knobs on it very much. I like the, um, I like the pads, but I want more of them. And I like the pads because it's, I, I didn't realize it was laid out like a guitar. So I can now actually play the keyboard in my head i can because i can work out where the chords are because it, it's just guitar or the lower four strings of a guitar so you make a guitar chord shape on it and it plays a guitar shaped chord obviously um i really like the font on this that says solid state logic if i was going to build a high-end <laughs> studio somewhere and i wanted to impress my clients that's the font i want them to see i probably wouldn't buy a g-series desk because what would you do with it, really? <laughs> but I, oh, yeah. Uh, the, Sorry the, about that. The thing I can see on there that I would use, though, is the scrub wheel, actually. Like a nice mm. big scrub wheel. If that actually scrubs through audio in the same way, um, like something like a Tascam DA, what was it, 38 or something, you can kind of oh, roll right, through yeah. audio with that thing on the front. I'm th I think that's what I'm thinking of. That's much, that would be much better more useful to me than doing that with the mouse because trying to find bits of audio with the mouse you're zooming in and zooming out and trying to remember key strokes to get in and out and all that sort of stuff automation 
I wouldn't do it in time anyway. I'm not very good at doing things in time. I can sort of play the guitar in time if I forget that I'm, if I remember, no, hang on, let's get the, the right, if I remember not to think while I'm playing the guitar, which is a whole thing in itself, then I can play it in time. If I'm trying to do drum beats or anything and I, and I'm thinking about where I'm going to put the beat, by the time I've had the thought about where it's going to go, I'm already playing late. Um, right. So I type everything in. I, it all goes in on the grid, and I sit there for hours, like moving little beats around and just trying different things out. Um, so it, it, with automation, I'll just draw it in. I'll get it to do what I want it to do. I won't. I, I'll listen yeah, to the whole thing, like and then track. I'll go, that needs to go down, that needs to go up, that should, or whatever. Yeah, I like to write it and see it going, but I always end up in a mess because I always do the automation and then I do some edits and I forget to do the edits, automation followed edits and I end up in a mess and I have to do it all over again anyway. Uh, we recently, actually, we just bought a new licence for DaVinci Resolve and there's still a couple oh, yeah. of places where you can get this free. So DaVinci Resolve is a video editing system, but it also yeah. is really good for editing audio. And this, uh, you can buy, this, this is worth a couple hundred quid, but Resolve is about... 250 or something like that plus fat and a couple of places that you can still buy this is the speed editor and this has got a really nice sort of clacky oh, yeah, proper, I mean, it's not really faders but it's got a, a really nice weighted jog and scroll wheel which is very nice yeah. to use i have to say but uh, i've because i've got a um platform nano i think that is over there in the corner which is very similar to a fader port or that sort of thing but i just i just don't use it because it always never quite maps in the way and i think i was watching a video from um well is uh, this going to do that the ssl thing i mean does well if, if if they don't make the right relationships with the software companies then it's just going to end up being a brick isn't it well, it's MCU. I think it's MCU. So, and it will talk directly to if you've got the SSL meter plugin, which I'm assuming it maybe comes with. I would hope so for that price. Then you get that extra sort of master section kind of metering, which I suspect for many people is actually quite useful, certainly for confidence. And it's going to tie that sort of physically to more into your workflow because you're going to be looking to it more for information. Whereas what tends to happen with these things, they sort of sit there. You might use the transport control. Or you might not. And if you don't even use the transport control, then you end up, it basically just doesn't end up being used that often. So it might get think, tied in. I think that's more. what happens with push, though, because when push is up, it, I've got push connected to Bitwig, and then I've used a third-party script so that it talks to it. And it comes up with ah. really pretty kind of graphics and things, but it never shows me the thing I, I think would be most useful at the moment when it would be, if that makes sense. So you've always got to press another button. It just feels quicker to do it with the mouse. Yeah, for me. I know what you mean sometimes. Uh, it, it is. It has to be It has to be pretty integrated. Or you have to modify your workflow slightly to take advantage of it. I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just change the way you work so that you get what you need from what you've got attached. I mean, that's the other way to do it, I suppose. I'm, um, you know, I'm quite used to do rides with the mouse, and also I have this um, knob thing, NOB, which yeah. um, emulates uh, mouse scroll. So you can, uh, so you can do that. That's a, that has a very nice touch. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's a different, it's it's a different type of of thinking because when I used to mix properly on on the desk which i did for maybe most of my 
career where you you have to write the automation and you can't really edit it. You can punch in and punch out to or trim, but you can't draw anything. Um, so that that's a kind of different concept, and I think it also leads to a different sound because when you do it like that, you're hearing the vocal or whatever you're writing. And then your response it comes a little bit after. It's very quick, but you're responding to what you're hearing. And so, so the like rides a, yeah. are almost Opto like, compression. <laughs> it's like optical. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, exactly. It's kind of it, it, it yeah, it has a kind of release curve that is similar to to yeah, uh, a compression because it's linear in, in DB, if you like. But, uh, and I think that that has a sound and it has a kind of a sweet tone because if, you, if something is loud, you want to bring it down, but you're a little bit too late. So you kind of keep the, the transient. And, and so all these 80s songs, they have, I can hear the, the, the automation in the sound of the, of the mix, almost like a dynamic processor. Uh, yeah, so okay. that's, that's the way I used to do it was to, especially on automation um, or moving faders, which could be automation is an automation system for the SSL, which has VCA and moving and motors as well. So you do the first pass, you write it, and then I used to switch it to VCA so I could flatten all the all the faders, and then I would do the writes from zero, which is what the trim function, which not many people use in the doors. That's where it, where it stems from. And I think it's very oh. convenient. In the door, you can't make it zero because it's, it's from where it is. Um, but with VCAs, even if you have movement, which you did with the motors, when you switch to v VCA and, and now the fader, the fader will not physically move. So you can do rides on top of other rides, which ah, is not okay. very kind of intuitive in a door. So that was, um, so every, every track used to get a few passes of real time kind of interaction. And, you know, maybe that contributes to to some of the that kind of depth in sound that was typical to the mid 80s to mid 90s before or early 90s mid 90s yeah before everything kind of all the all the rights even today people who who mix in hybrid configurations uh, which is something i sometimes do as well like summing on the desk or using the desk in some part of the way for stems and things no one really automates using the, the desk built-in system because it's it's not very good and it's real-time only. So everyone kind of writes and, and automates in the box, which has a different sound, I suppose. Oh, the, SSL, the SSL used to take so long to back up, though, from what I remember about it. If you, if you did a recall uh, on the mix, it just... You know, you had the, the big uh, 10... 10 point uh, something, um, 7 point something inch, one, 125 kilobyte uh, yeah, floppy disk. Yeah. yeah. 
It will take a few seconds. Not not too bad though. Oh, did it? Or maybe the maybe the tape op was pulling my leg that I wanted to go and do something else. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <to take forever. laughs> it could be. Oh, interesting insights there. That's a very interesting thought about the automation. I suppose uh, if we're getting really nerdy about it, you could do a pass on the fader and then bus the fader to a, a um, to a bus in the DAW and then automate the. You, uh, well, in Protus, in Protus and in Logic, you have VCA groups, so you don't even have to do like a sub group thing. You can just um, oh, it's just like the, it's again it stems from the VCA faders in on the SSL um, and on the and on the NIV, which was which were yeah it's another layer of uh, of master kind of control to all the it's not a master really it's a linear sort of link it's a link yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so you can automate right. that well, without moving sorry that, i can well, go I, on think I, sh wow, I should probably stop. we should we should probably do uh, a, a a message from our friends over at um baby audio i think which they describe as a modern reimagination of the cultish 1982 analog synth CS01, eventually uh, looked like a toy but sounded like a beast. Um, it brings pure and authentic textures that are fast to program and dripping in colour, they say. They also impressed upon us that have not just recreated but enhanced and moved the sound design forward, adding polyphony and a second analog model oscillator, FM, and the ability to drain the battery, which gives a power sag that running down on the original had. Uh, you can get it now uh, priced at, well, at 99 bucks. I'd say 15% with the code ST23. In fact, you can apply that code to anything over at H uh, babyaudio.com. Use the code ST2023 and save yourself uh, an additional 15%. Right, um, let's get on to uh, what have we got now. Um, uh, yeah, well, we have to bring this one up. This is, again, after last week, we spoke a little bit about uh, the MPC-X uh, SE, which was... You know, uh, it came out at the same time. We also talked about Push 3, which is obviously uh, a, a much more further up through. But Akai have now released uh, this guy, which is the MPC-1X in Fetching Red, which is full MPC action. Uh, I think they've had, they've taken up the uh, Ethernet port and they've added Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, so there's no Ethernet. Uh, you can also run the new Air Instruments Jura because it comes with one free plugin. Uh, from you know that you could download 16 bit uh, 16 gig internal storage plus STS SDS SDHC storage two gigs of RAM eight CV ins and outputs eight CV outputs gate outputs I mean it's actually on paper it looks really impressive and 699 seems like an absolute bargain for that I mean I've not actually I've only ever seen Andy Mack play with the MPC OS and he always makes everything look very easy I don't know how easy it is I know that some people absolutely swear by it other people don't get on with it so well but this seems it seems hard I mean you know you're talking about using your push and uh, going completely hardware mark I mean for, this seems like a bargain now I mean what they've just brought out and it's obviously must be in response to the uh, Akai push because I guess it's you know, it's, it's it can't be any accident that it's come out a week later, but astonishing price. I mean, I yeah, I like the look of it. It looks amazing. I just can't get my head around the MPC operating system because it works in a different way. To the, so everything I get from them, I just go, what the, where is everything? How And I, I even 
and I have I've bought a couple of their cheaper samplers for playing around with, and they don't work very well. So I think there's the MPX8 or something that's got eight pads on it. Oh yeah, that's the MIDI, crummy, the but... MIDI on it's just uh, yeah, it's, not it's brilliant. Ten years old. It's got to be ten years old. But apart from, I mean, it looks good. It looks like a sturdy little unit, and it looks like it does a lot of things, including emulating a Roland synthesizer and possibly a yeah. Yamaha one, which is kind of like, <laughs> this is, I kind of twisted my, and, and a Moog as well, actually. So it's Moog, sorry, Moog. It's twisted my head a bit because it's suddenly like all these things are melding into one thing. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I think, uh, I think if, they, if they open up the plugin format and people start developing for it, I think that would make it an interesting platform and it would probably give it a lot more legs. Uh, I noticed you nodding, Yoad, when you were saying you, you just did, that you didn't quite get on with the MPC way of working. And that's fine. I mean, I, I'm not sure if I would either, to be honest. But, I mean, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Is you've got to sort of click with it for it to work for you. Yeah, I, I, I purchased the MPC Live, the, the first standalone, I think it's called Live, the first standalone version that they, <laughs> that they had. And that was after many years of, uh, of not using Akai uh, samplers, which I have been for, for, for years before that. And, and then, they, you know, and then I see the program edit and the sample edit and all those and the... Uh, also, those hierarchies which didn't make any sense to me. So I hope they changed it in, in, in this version, although I'm not sure because that's the way everything works. Before I watched this video and I saw the link to, to, that you sent, I, I thought to myself, why would anyone buy anything other than Push 3? It's so, you know, it's, I think it's so... It's great. I think it's something that, to me, it resembles more a computer and the fact that you can sync it to your Ableton project and, and all that. And it's a sound card and it's a, it has ADAT expansion possibilities and, and all that makes a lot of sense. And it's up, upgradable and, and all that. Um, but then I looked at the, the form factor of the, the, the MPC and it looks really, really cool, like, like Mark said. And the, the screen, the screen looks amazing and it looks interactive, whereas in the Push 3, it's not a touch screen. If I remember correctly, maybe I'm wrong. No, it's, it's not. small. It's not. It's not, and, it, and it's small. Um, but, but exactly like Mark uh, said, I, I can't deal with, with their OS, with the whole way the whole system, the file system and the, the, the menus and all that, it just doesn't make sense to me in this day and age. And I'm not sure whether the new one, the OnePlus has, you know, if, whether they I, changed I think it. it like that, <laughs> I think they use the same thing. I mean, you know, you essentially for these groove boxes, you've got multiple, you've got the push OS now, which is essentially Ableton, but bearing in mind that Ableton in, on push, it means that a lot of that stuff is still, it's still kind of like hidden away because it, it, you're 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 limited by the menu system of the push hardware. You know, mm -hmm. in in the software, obviously you can fill your boots because you've got a full yeah. screen to be playing with. So I don't know where, how how fluent that is for I people know. and whether that. Well, I, and also you've got Electron, which is again another kind of quite obscure way of working. 
<laughs> um, you know, but you've got choices, so you can choose electron way, the Ableton way, or the MPC way. And I, 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 I don't know how how different that is, but I think the MPC it it. The price point is really hard to, to kind of like get It's over. impressive, I mean, it seems, isn't it? Really impressive. It's very impressive. I would challenge it with this, though. I bought one of these, if I could find the camera. Ah, circuit rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Bloody brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I think my benchmark for anything is if I can take it out the box and play with it and get it to work and not have to look in the manual... I, I think I eventually had to print off the manual so I could work out how to do micro steps and something else because I couldn't quite figure that out because there was a two a double button press, but everything else I just kind of figured out. So I, I'm going to go back to the MPC-1, though, because that's the topic. Um, and that it's like I used an MPC-60, is it? Was that the number? Big white box yeah, with grey pads on it. Yeah, so that kind of made sense. That made sense to me. So is it just me, or is it completely different? Because it just doesn't seem to follow Akai's hierarchy, like the S900, the S1000. No, it's a different... So why are they called... Well, I guess MPC stands for MIDI Programmable something or another doesn't it or whatever it is but well they own because they own the brand i mean you know akai uh, akai were bought by um a, a larger company weren't they so i mean they, they just ended up it became i forget the lineage of it i'm yeah, sure the chat room would be able to put me right so i mean and they that for a long time they were just they were pushing the the format where it was just controllers and they didn't have, and then they got into the fact that it stood alone. Then they developed their plugin, which now runs a plugin is kind of a separate DAW environment or a standalone that can run within your, uh, in your computer. But that also that OS now runs. So it's essentially what push have done, but they've been doing it a lot longer. So you'd imagine that their, they their kind of workflow would be high, more, more developed. I was, but didn't, yeah. didn't Akai develop push in the first place, if I remember rightly. The I'm hardware, sure Akai I had some may, input. Well, I think they it, maybe they? had an input in that original hardware, yes, because Ableton weren't really. A, I believe so, yeah. But I mean, I mean, that would I, be I find because I know my way around Ableton that I can find my way around in the push because the menus are all basically pretty much the same. So, assuming the new Push Three follows the standard Ableton menus, once you know it, it should be easy to get around. I would yeah, have I guess so. But then I guess the same could be argued for this as well. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that's impressive about this is you could use this as a brain for sequencing, for playing out with, uh, because it'll stream from disc, I believe. You know, you've got two gigs around, but it'll play longer samples. Uh, And I think, and also, yeah, it hasn't got much I.O., but the class-compliant USB actually does accept uh, audio interfaces. And you've got CV. Oh, that's good. You've got four four stereo CV gate outputs. So you've got up to eight outputs that you can then control modular gear with so as a sort of small thing for controlling yeah. a small modular app it's going to be quite a quite hard to, to argue against that just in terms of connectivity so good job i would say uh, it sounds like a pretty yeah. a pretty cool thing that they've done right uh, it's time now for uh, a message from our friends over at isotope of course summer of sound 50 percent off isotope products uh also uh Nate Plugin Alliance, uh, Native Instruments, it's valid till July 2023. You save 50% off all this stuff. I mean, it's pretty impressive. And 
I should point out, if you head over to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, you can apply the code SONIC10 on top of that discount. So we're talking, it's not wow. quite 60% a discount, but it'll be 10%, so 10% of 50, so 55% discount. And I tested it and it does apply. So that is a pretty good. So anyway, the, the Summer of Sounds offers are valid across all of their stuff. So you're getting some, you can get some good stuff till July the 6th, 2023. So uh, thank you very much for their support. Okay. Um, I, where should we go next? Do we want to go to um, the, the, the? I think we got to talk boss, haven't we? Because I think the yeah. SD delay that well, it was. I guess <clears> the <throat> boss was originally a uh, a Roland product because it was the Roland SD three thousand and the Roland SRV three thousand. Let's just press the button and see where it takes us. Yes. Well, basically, Thank uh, you they remodeled. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just, I, I hadn't realised just quite how poodle rock that whole thing was. I mean, there are some more because I mean, legendarily, uh, Stevie Ray, uh, uh, not Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, oh God, Eddie Van Halen used to had a pair of them with a stereo setup, uh, and you know he was, but but they were everywhere. I remember we had one in a rack in our live system, the SR, uh, the SD three thousand uh, digital delay because it modulated this. The, the new version has got a pair of delays. Uh, originally released in nineteen eighty three. I mean, it was very much, but it was also very it could be very crystal clean as well. They used it for. I think Mark, you were saying you saw it in uh, delay clusters for uh, Absolutely delays. Absolutely everywhere. Of, yeah, yeah, everywhere. Like it's a real workhorse. Yeah, so they're we're, aligning we're the subs and the mids and the, all that stuff. You just see racks and racks and racks of them. And I'll be like, what are they doing in there? Because I used them in a studio as a sampler. And I had a, another, in fact, it wasn't mine. It was in Beethoven Street Studios in London. And they had an extra bit on top of it with a big red button and a green button and a knob. And you could plug CV gate into it, which I think I probably would have done with maybe with a 303, actually. So you could put samples in it and make it do all sorts of weird stuff so it was actually they're actually really cool samplers not not big memory but in no. terms of having some weird control yeah. over over stuff they're really good yeah well just quickly i should just mention this one is uh it's back uh they've got a version which is the eddie van halen issue which i think is just basically a different livery but it's uh 489 we've got twin delays we've got uh dual, sorry dual delays there's also modulation there's all kinds of other emulation and stuff going and, and so it's back. I mean, Boss seemed to be... I, I think it's curious that Boss have sort of basically hijacked one of Roland classic classic pieces of equipment for themselves. But, you know, I suppose, you know, that discussion was had in a boardroom somewhere, so it's probably all amicable and fine. But these were everywhere, weren't they, Yard? I mean, you must remember them from the studios when you were working. Absolutely. As a, as a, and uh, when I used to do uh, live sound, um, I used to hate them. Um, I used to work with the oh, really? PCM with PCM forty two for live for yeah like if I wanted a proper delay and when I, and there were always like a couple of um, Roland delays in the rack but I never used them they sounded really really digital and kind of in a nasty way low res and hollow and brittle 
Um, there's, there was something kind of okayish about the feedback, but the, the actual delay, the actual sound of the converters and everything was, was awful, especially for a live uh, situation. Uh, so I preferred the, the Lexicon TCM42 way over them. Um, wow. But and, and, and in the studio, obviously, we had the DMX uh, 16, the AMS delay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the Eventide harmonizer and delay and all that. So uh, I, I never, never liked them. I can see why people would consider that sound now, because, because kind of in a retro way and without the noise, because they had like a quantization kind of theory noise everywhere and very very nasty and i'm sure that that's no longer <laughs> the case now so if you if you just get the sound of it especially for these 80s kind of rocky cars <laughs> and things i can see how it makes sense and it, it, it's a cool my my personal memories from that what that hardware device are not positive interesting i i remember we had we had them i always remember them being really unintuitive i always used to go for the spx 90 over that to be honest just because it was there was something that seemed to work better for across a variety of things so i used to use the spx 90 i'm trying to think we had the spx had, 90 was yeah it, it was more more intuitive and uh, the sound was as awful but in a nicer way uh, yeah. It sounded kind of warm, <laughs> shitty digital, as opposed to cold. To not even warm. It's uh, so funny you say this because that one of the things that they're doing for the launch of this is they've got the original designer or the designers who's waxing lyrical yeah, about the kind of VCAs and the op amps and stuff. I think you've got the show title there, which is I never liked them. So uh, I, I, not it's a very non-specific, so I'm not committing you I, to I don't want to knock off, uh, you know, Roland's or Boss' uh, new new product. I mean... Uh, <laughs> I hate it. And, 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 and I, I have to say that in context of today, it, it may be different, but my memory of it, you know, uh, if you, if you on comparison to other delays that were popular at the time was not good. Right. I'm trying to think what I used for delays. Yeah, interesting. Well, I suppose if you're doing just a delay, a full wet signal, Mark, I mean, in terms of just delaying, uh, I, was it stereo? I can't remember if it was stereo. It must no, or were they just... So. No, they no it was, uh, I think, mono to stereo with some... Uh... No, no, you, it was stereo, if I remember correctly. Oh, was it? Stereo input. Two volume units or a kind of mono to stereo. So it had two engines. Uh, I'm just trying to think, if you... Well, if you that. use, can you imagine using that on delaying a stereo, a whole stereo PA, and then not being fully clocked, locked? You know, you get all sorts of horrible jittery phase between the, as it delays I mean, the clusters. Weird, <laughs> what's weird about it is I read that it had an analog clock. So if you, I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was Claire Brothers or not. I'm sure it was in America. I saw this whole rack of them, and they were just basically time aligning the subs and the mids and highs and everything so it might be all right for the subs but if it's on an analog clock isn't that going to be moving around a bit so they might yeah, sit, they start at the beginning of the show they time align it drive the amps hard yeah. they get hot it's going to send the clock off and it's all going to get a bit weird <laughs> that's true sorry yeah i go uh, they used to use them for delay towers where in in big yeah. uh, concerts like 
in parks and, uh, and, and and things like that where that makes you sense. delay the, the, the sound of, your, of the, the speakers near you to match that sound acoustically that gets to you yeah. from stage yep. delayed. That makes so, sense, actually. Know, that would have been for that, you had Delta Lab, which were very popular, which you, you, they didn't have an, even have a knob. You, you, you had to step, to push it in steps of, uh, of a millisecond or something like that. But that's, they sounded quite transparent. And of uh, course, TC2290. TC2290 was a yeah, big popular like as well, yeah. Yeah. And, and the AMS, before the DMX series, they had a delay which had just one kind of a um, sort of nudge thing to set the delay time, and that's all it had, no feedback or anything like that for delay towers like that. Ah, okay, interesting. Yeah, I always used to get... I, I, the only time I've ever messed with delay towers, I wonder... I, I doubt if these are designed to be put in because they're foot pedal standard. I mean, I think people will go for it and obviously the Eddie Van Halen link will help with the marketing and stuff and some people will... That that There are a number of guitarists who use them as part of a very specific sound. I have to say, if you listen to the demo, the tone the guitarist has sounds a bit shonky to me. I really didn't like it. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just... I don't know whether what they were using to drive it with, but it sounded like... It just a bit fizzy but anyway if, you, if that's your thing you can now get it and I'm, I'm sort of interested that there's sort of this this notion of uh, re-releasing vintage digital which is kind of <laughs> which is so, uh, an interesting uh, Dan idea Dan Electro uh, did it Dan, Dan Electro, Electro did uh, the, the back I've forgotten what it's called now what's it called the back stabber <laughs> this is, that's going to be me in a second because the re-release of their back way or I've forgotten what it's called uh, the designer who designed that pedal hadn't written down what he'd done and they didn't have the code, so they've recreated it rather than uh, used the original code. And it doesn't back, maybe it's called backslap. It's not, uh, it's um, back talk. There you go. The old 60 year old brain whirs into gear and it comes back. Yeah, so the new back talk is in a little square box and it doesn't sound the same as the original one because they don't have the original code. So um, wow. if it's they lost if the cassette if they're up. selling it, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But if they're selling it and telling people it's the same and it's not, I think that's, I don't know. I, yeah, I should good. say that's not the Roland. The Roland has obviously had, you know, they've got they've got some a few golden units that they've yeah, they, time. But yeah, it may be the same. And I, I think if I remember correctly, didn't Edge, you too use some of that, or was that twenty two ninety? Because I remember twenty two ninety. I thought TC, you used I the memory you could, man. DC, you yeah, could, use the DC electronics. Ah, uh, okay. So the, the TC2290, I think Behringer now make uh, a kind of hardware controller for the plug-in. So right. you get Because the, TC, the TC2290 looked, it was delightful. I think we had one of those that in the amazing. studio. That was amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. Really yeah. nice. Yeah. You yeah. could have like a rain of guitars. There was one setup, I don't remember which one, but you just strum a chord and you would have like a rain of sort of guitar particles it was really lush nice well tc have got a couple of pedals tc have got a couple of pedals that do that so there's a blue colored pedal which emulates the tc 2290 which is really nice i think it's called the triple delay or something like that it's really good right i think you can actually get the tc 2290 uh as a pedal uh, can you 
No, uh, I'm just trying to find. I don't know if I can uh, if I can bring this. Isn't it uh, available as a uh, URAC module? Uh, no, I'm. I'm ju let me just see if I can find it because I might be able to put it in here. Uh, let me see. I can. I think I can paste it into this. Uh, let's see. Uh, gosh, I'm just trying to. Let me paste it into this. Uh, update. So there, that's the one. Uh, th yeah. But this is. Uh, uh, it, it's a, It's just a controller. So it's not a Eurorack. It's. It's just a little desktop unit that controls. Uh, digital uh, plug-in with desktop interface. But, yeah, it was a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah, that's say. nice, yeah. Looks yeah, the same, pretty. doesn't it, sort of? Yeah, sort of, yeah, very pretty. Anyway, um, that, that I digress. That's probably not really... Uh, but but the, the boss uh, slash Roland SD... I wonder if they'll do the SRV, because the SRV was... Was that well thought of? I'm pretty sure they got blown out of the water by all the uh, Yamaha... SRV uh, 2000? Yeah, the SRV was 2000. It, similar... You could press you yep. could press buttons on it and turn it into a delay. There's a certain button press that you do on the front panel, like you hold down three buttons when you switch it on, and it will turn it into a digital digital delay. Right. Well, that makes sense to a degree, I suppose. Uh, anyway, let's see what else we got. Uh, is, have we got anything else that we can cover? Bosbury got a cell-based drum machine. I don't know if that's that's. I guess that's kind of interesting. Shall we? That uh, was we mental. This? <laughs> yeah, this is. Cells are six slash seven voice configurable complex. This drum was from Create Digital Link CDM dot link. It's a sort of prototype. I'm not really sure. It's a. It's basically a chemical engineer who's built uh, a drum machine based on some of the principles of silicon crystal growing, I think. Uh, now, if I could pronounce it, Shogralski cells. It's a complex drum machine, and, unlike anything else. Uh, six or seven voice. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the Pulsar 32, but slightly less uh, obvious on how to use. <laughs> it sounds very chaotic. I mean, I don't... For me, I think using the word drum machine and chaos in the same sentence sort of dequalifies one from the other. I mean, it feels like that's not something I'm looking for in a drum machine. I'm looking for something that I can... I can rely on a little bit for, you know, a, 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 a standardised loop point or at least, you know, 16 steps or something like this. And this does look very interesting with synthesis point of view. Uh, I think I'd probably go for a, th a, a 32. I don't know. I guess, do you have room for chaos in your productions, uh, Yoad, or is there, there not so much time there? Because then you've got to depick it all and figure out which bits of the chaos you like. Exactly. I think I, I kind of like the noises it makes. Um... I think it would be, for me, it would be interesting to see how I can use something like that to trigger other stuff, to use it in very, very, very slow BPM, you know, uh, and right. to, to use it as a random generator or kind of pattern generator to, to generate uh, other stuff. I think that, um, oh, I wanted to say something, but now I forgot what it was. That's all right. I'll, I can go over to Mark while you while you think yeah. on that. That's not a problem. See, I, would, uh, I would use it the exact opposite way round. Are you going to ask me a question? I've interrupted you. No, no, what, you carry on. You carry on. I wasn't going to ask you a question. Right, so I'd use it completely the other way round. I'd uh, get it making something interesting, and then I'd chuck it in a gate and get something else to trigger it so that the snare went... Or whatever it did. So it, it would add... Uh, some variation to any of the stuff that I'd programmed that sounded too repetitive. So I'd have some kind of, 
and you know use it for the noise i can it's not really a drum machine is it i mean it kind of I, if it yeah, was a drum machine it sort of sounds like a drum kit kind of it imploding and falling in or falling off the podium or something doesn't it falling down the, the drum kit falling down the stairs interesting exactly I, I, yeah. Always nice, yeah always nice to see a curiosity i, I think we've got time uh, we've got time for a, a sorry I, yeah it's just the, the the whole thing about the crystals made me think that it could be good to have uh like crystals with a needle sort of like the first generation radio receivers Oh yeah you, you you used to set up the frequency by touching different areas of the crystal um, so to use that kind of to create a modulator like a Eurorack or something modulator based on on a crystal ah. and a needle which is uh, you know kind of uh, predictable but also random in a way I love to, it, to... it that's shortwave isn't it shortwave radio that's... Mark, yeah, that I sounds like the thing radio. that would what you'd sell bucket loads of those in a Glastonbury shop. I mean, Glastonbury's all about crystal. I'd have to reopen crystal, one time, really. Yeah, well, yeah, just to make <laughs> crystal-based drum machines. Imagine or crystal-based yeah. Eurorack clocks. Wow, what about that? They're there. And I have and I and I have the slogan to to hang outside your your shop, uh, crystal clearance. If you want to. Nice. <laughs> okay, right. Excellent. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think we've got time for a question or two, uh, uh, if that's all right, if I can impose upon you. Uh, just just curious, uh, particularly uh, apposite about what we've been talking about with the new controller from uh, T uh, from Akai of the, the new MPC One Plus. Uh, this is a question from Jim H Zero via Twitch. Uh, on the usual forums, the cost of Push 3 has been upsetting some, has, as has recent t uh, Teenage Engineering products. When is something too expensive, or is there even such a thing? Mark, as, a sh uh, as an ex-shop owner, what would you say? When is something too expensive? Um, uh, oh God, my experience of buying is different to my experience of selling, so my experience of buying is something's probably too expensive when it's over a grand or so i suppose i if i if i'm unless it's something that i'm going to use for everything i so i wouldn't when i buy a new apple mac i won't go out and buy one that costs five grand i look at them and go oh i want to get one of those one day but i'll buy a mac mini that's just under a thousand pound or 800 pound or something like that so for me buying at somewhere around a thousand pound per item would be too ex over a thousand pounds is probably too expensive. Um, selling though, my experience of selling is that when somebody actually so maybe I'd break this pattern as well, but when somebody actually wants something, they don't care how much it is. In fact, they often don't ask; they just want to buy the thing that they've seen that they like the look of or they uh, imagine themselves using somewhere. So, um, and. When I first started selling, I kept trying to like bring the price down for everybody. Oh, I can do your deal on this. They don't want to hear it. They, they really want it. They don't care how much it costs. So I don't think there is a too expensive when somebody actually, that's the thing they've got to have. They're going to find a way to get it. 
I suppose that makes sense if it's unique. I mean, I think for me, before I come to you, I think for me it's the question of if, if as a punter you can see that it just seems like it's an inflated price and you can't see the added value. Like with teenage engineering stuff, yes, you can compare it to something from Walmart or, or you know, M-Audio or whatever, but you can see the amount of man hours and unique R&D and the quality of component trees that's yeah, gone into quality. it. Whether or not you think that it's worth that extra amount, at least you can sort of see the provenance to a degree. I mean, I think some of the things seem ridiculous, but, uh, you know, like the table seems extremely expensive. But I saw one at Superbooth and it was very beautifully machined. You know, there's obviously a lot of time and care going into it. So sometimes it just when it looks like, no, that just looks like you're actually trying to profiteer. I don't know. When is something too expensive, Johan? I think that in my, you know, in my early days, I, I couldn't afford most of the things that I wanted to purchase. So I uh, um, used to buy the, the cheaper version of something. For instance, I, yeah. I could afford the Roland MT32 because I, and I couldn't afford the D110 or D220 or something like that. But in, in return, this, allowed me to learn how to do CSEX, to, to write CSEX commands in hexadecimal and things like that <laughs> to overcome the fact that the MT32 didn't have any controls or any memory to store. So, you know, sometimes the limitations are, um, are a blessing, especially if you buy, if you compare the, the, the features of the flagship, it's like with the boss, I think P PG-10 um, or even TG-1000 as opposed to TG-100, you know. And I think you had the same thing, Nick, with the Kawai uh, R50, right? Because I couldn't afford the Kawai R100, which was the big one with velocity yeah. response pads and stuff. And I, and I had to go with the R50, but combine kind of different samples together and there's something more I, I like that kind of way of thinking um, with guitars it's a different story uh, obviously <laughs> oh really well I, I think also what well, I think also what you're saying is well, just just but what what you're also saying is, you know, at the time, you know, I bought the D110 because I wanted the separate outputs. I saved up for it, you know. I mean, I, the M32 was just or the MT32 was just a little bit too impenetrable for me. So, but the fact was that you know there was this, but then there was also an alternative, and you get the same thing with the Kawaii. You've got this and then this with something like Teenage Engineering. They only make that thing. You don't get the choice of the mm -hmm. uh, yeah. OP1 field and the OP1 field light or, and the same thing, you know, with Akai, you can buy the MPC X SE or you can buy the MPC one or the MPC live, which gives you these price points. Not all price points are, are spe seem specific. And I find the same thing is like, I, I'm currently just looking at, you know, there are certain software subscriptions I need. I've got a, I've been doing my accounts in a spreadsheet for years and I think I, maybe it's about time I just get something I can scan receipts in my phone and not be done with it. And I'm looking at so, uh, these limitations, these artificial limitations of the sort mm -hmm. of the 
£10 a month version, which doesn't allow you to do this, and the te- the £20 one, which does allow you to do this. And it's just an artificial limitation. You know, it's like, uh, the thing that's useful to me, you're charging me a lot more. It's not more expensive for you to do. It's just, it gives you a reason to charge me more. And I think that's, when you see that in a product, you know, like where you just see, well, we've, you can have this, for, I think, free, that does nearly everything. And then, you know, when you pay that for it, you get the stuff nuts. that makes it more makes it more pro but then when it makes it more pro and more useful i think those some of those things make sense you know that it's just when it's just like well you're there's no reason for you to make this a limitation you could have made a made a difference there so anyway that's my thought sorry um mark i would say um gina's got um a certain amount of mobility allowance from her illness and so she rang up bmw and BMW offered her a new car and said that she could use some of her mobility allowance to pay towards it and she'd have to pay a certain amount every month. And they have like these, the car comes out the factory with all of this stuff work in it and it's enabled in software and you have to pay for them to switch things on like heated seats or certain aspects of the tech in the car. The actual tech is in the car, but to enable it, you have to pay more. So if you pay the bottom rate and buy the car, you're still buying all of the equipment, but not the software that enables it to happen. And uh, that, it just, that's, it's that, just, that's, that's just like a real, it's like, what, really? So uh, that whole world of, I don't know, it's just like, uh, yeah, it just drives yeah. like the the whole app store thing drives me absolutely mental now because you can download anything. And then the moment you download it, it tells you it's a, it's a subscription. Then when you, click out of that you've got like a tiny bit of functionality and you think well but i don't want to subscribe to it because i'm only going to use it for this one thing i would have paid 10 pounds for it or something but i don't want to get i don't know it's just it's all of it i think i think with software it's a i think yeah software is a very different thing because it's it's so i think it's so hard to continually develop without revenue stream if you have two different versions of the software that makes sense so if I yeah. see a version that does a certain amount of things and it's this price and there's another version of it that the pro version does more, then but I don't think it works to put them both in the same app. I think it should be separate so it's clearer. Um, yeah, but anyway. There's a, uh, <laughs> I, I could you, you could argue it the other way, so I don't know. Bill Olding via YouTube says, I remember a great discussion with Ty about prices. Uh, the question is not whether it's too expensive, it's whether you can afford to buy it. And, th- yeah, there's an aspect of that. I mean, I suppose the thing is because we all have information, you know, we can all see what's available. Uh, sometimes when something looks expensive, you think, well, I'd still like to have it. I mean, I'd really like to have some of those teenage engineering things, but I just can't bring myself to spend that sort of amount of money on something. It feels very decadent somehow. I don't, it's not a, it, it, it feels luxu- a luxury item rather than a utilitarian. I don't mind spending money on something that I absolutely have to have, like a, a decent computer with enough power to do, because I use it every day to the, a, a maximum amount. If I've just died buying something because I like the look of it, like, you know, I, I <clears throat> then fine, you know, but I don't mind 
you know, I went to a car boot sale and I found this funny little widget that just looked lovely and I bought it for £2 because it didn't seem like a lot of money. It was a nice thing. It's complete luxury, but it's not too expensive. It's just like, yeah, if it had been 20 quid, I wouldn't have bought it because it was too expensive for what I felt. But yeah, it's it's an interesting question and I'm sure the psychology of marketing and all that comes into it, but uh, perhaps we're, that's for another time. So uh, I want to thank everybody for their questions. Do keep them coming. Um, we are trying to get rid through them slowly. Sometimes there are uh, more topics than uh, the... the than we need uh, and therefore we don't get so around to so many questions but they do stay in the database uh, in fact i will start the pro uh, a new show straight after this one and you can leave a question in the comments for the new show and that will all work fine so please do um but yes thank you very much to our guests um Yoad, i guess uh, are you do you now have to uh, get back to work or are you going to go for a stroll by the beach or wherever it is that you are no just, i have uh, a enjoy? zoom call uh, about the mix uh, uh, production that I'm doing about them to mix a bit, um, and I have uh, that's it for today. But you know, I'm always on on call kind of thing, and I have yeah. a lot of editing and preset creating to to do before I get back to London to do some sonic work. Yeah, or stuff well, that requires me to be in a you know in a proper studio environment. Yeah, well, it's lovely to have you here. Thank you very much for joining us uh, and giving up some of your valuable free time. And uh, ditto with Mark. Thanks for joining us as well and closing your blinds so You're we can welcome. see you. Uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, all the best to you and the fam. I hope everything's going all right. And uh, we must, uh, yeah, we're going to try and get another EMOB together. So you must come down for that. But uh, I, oh, I, I applied for it. I don't know if you've seen my application. Oh, no, I will. In my, yeah, app what's... In my application, I did offer to help as well. So. If I Excellent. if um, Gina's well enough to leave at home now, you see, so I and she absolutely would not come and watch me play live because she finds it too stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm well, on my own and you give you give me tasks, it would be actually actually I would like to help. So okay, well we're working on it. We just got to try and find a window to make it work. But uh, I think for now we'll say thank you very much to all our uh, um, all our chatties. Thanks everybody. Thanks to Wagyu for keeping it clean in the chat room and all the other good stuff he does. And we'll see you all next time. That was Sonic Talk uh, five seven. Oh, what was it? Five seven eight. I think it was, wasn't it? I can't remember now. Seven five eight. Even good grief. Uh, how time flies. Uh, see you all next time. Thanks very much for watching. We'll see you next week. Take care now. Bye bye.